0: does the rain fall from up above why do fools fall in love why do they fall in love why does my heart skip a crazy I know what uh, some of you are thinking. You're thinking, you look foolish. Do I? Or do you? <laughs> what, in your nice Easter dresses? With your knowledge of good and evil and you're hiding in your fig leaf underwear from God? <laughs> Who's foolish? My friend Paul said, uh, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. If any of you consider yourself wise, uh, consider yourself a fool that you might become wise. In the Greek Orthodox Church, the day after Easter, they devote to telling jokes. Because Easter is the ultimate joke on the devil and the vanity of humanity. Psalm chapter 2. Why do the people imagine vain things? Vanity. The Lord, the one who sits in heaven, he laughs. He he laughs. So in the Greek Orthodox Church, at the Orthodox Church, they still honor the status of the, the holy fool. Saint Simeon Salos, means fool, was the first of the holy fools. He was... 6th century Palestine, routinely kicked out of mass for flatulence and throwing nuts at the altar candles. On, on Good Friday, as the priest was admonishing the people to mortify the flesh, St. Simeon pulled out a long sausage and began eating it in the church. As he was being dragged out of church, for the very last time he said this, The essence... Of human sinfulness is to take yourself and your rituals too seriously. The essence of human sinfulness is to take the self and our rituals too seriously. You know, Ezekiel was commanded to prophesy to the walls of Jerusalem, lying on his side for over a year, as he ate food cooked on human poop. He begged God for cow poop, and God said, okay, Ezekiel can have cow poop. Isaiah was commanded to walk naked, buttocks exposed for three years. While well, he prophesied, But bet he felt kind of foolish, looked kind of foolish. I know I looked foolish. But I come from the Greek island of Patmos. Sounds sexy, I know. But in my day, not so much was a Roman penal colony. My name is John. Jesus called me son of of thunder. I I had some anger management issues. (laughs) I once begged Jesus to uh, rain down fire on an entire Samaritan uh, village. Anyway, I wrote four of the books in the Bible. Uh, and that's why I'm here. You arrange this super spectacular through space and time visit because you all are studying the Revelation of, of John. I wrote uh, Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and uh, the, the Revelation. Nobody reads the Revelation. But everybody thinks that they know what it means. Do you know what it means? Do you want to know (laughs) what it means? Do you? Because I'll tell you what it means. Means you're going to die. Famine, plague, Warfare demons and you're gonna die. That's what it means. I'm, I'm telling you, you're gonna die. You're gonna, you are gonna die. You're gonna die. Tribulation and death. We're, we're all gonna die. Tribulation and death. Tribulation and death and we're all gonna die. I'm telling you, we're all gonna die. die. April fools. <laughs> kinda, kinda had you going for a minute, right? <laughs> but, you know, uh, actually we are gonna die. <laughs> I, wasn't, uh, I wasn't fooling about that. I mean, how many of you, show of hands, how many of you thought that you were never gonna die? Junior hires, anyone, anyone, anyone? <laughs> yeah, see? You all knew that you were going to die, right? You already, you already knew that. And, and plagues, famine, warfare, demons, it's not that they might happen. Plagues, famine, warfare, de- That they, they have been happening for the last 2,000 years. Uh, tribulation and, and death. You already, you already knew that. So you already, you already knew that you were going to die. So it's kind of foolish to think that the revelation means freak out! You're going to get tribulated and die! You are going to get tribulated and die. But that's not the revelation. The revelation is that all of that means something. And in a minute, if you're good, I'll tell you what it means. Uh, there, there are actually there are actually several scholarly theories as to the uh, genre of the Revelation, as to its writing and its its setting, due to a variance in genre and grammatical style. Some propose that the Revelation was written by a different author than the Gospel of John. Now, I have studied this quite a bit, and I have a theory. Do you want to know my theory? I wrote it! Like everybody says that that I did. Of course there's a difference in genre and style! I had a freaking weird vision! I had a freaking weird vision on a Greek island and I didn't have anything to write it down. And I had to write it down in freaking Greek. And I'm a Hebrew fisherman. Of course there's a difference in genre and style. Later, when I wrote the gospel, I was better at Greek. I had spell check. His name was Luke. Great guy, Luke. Grammar and genre are different, sure, but but all the stuff in in my gospel is the stuff that I saw in the Revelation. In fact, people always wonder why uh, my gospel is so uh, different, seemingly different, than the other guy's gospel. Matthew, Mark, and uh, Luke's gospel. Well, you see, those guys, they did their gospels. They kind of copied each other. don't know if you noticed that. They did their (laughs) gospels. And... By the time I wrote mine, I didn't need to repeat all of their stuff. And, and I, remembered, I remembered a bunch of stuff that they had forgotten or kind of put out of their minds. See, I remembered the stuff because I saw that stuff in my vision, in the, in the revelation. They didn't, or they didn't want to. You see, Jesus was kind of like your crazy Uncle Mike, you know? We all got a crazy Uncle Mike who shows up at the family dinners, he drinks a little too much, and then he starts talking about aliens and stuff, right? Everybody loves Uncle Mike, but he's a fool. He's a fool. A lovable fool. So everyone loves him, but at a certain point, they just kind of tune him out. It was like that (laughs) with Jesus. I don't think he ever drank too much, but at a certain point, we'd just smile and say, sure, Jesus, whatever, whatever, Jesus. Things would be going great, and he'd stand up and say something, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. We'd kind of look at each other, smile, and say, okie-dokie. Maybe we could all just go take. We could take a nap, okay? (laughs) Before Abraham was, I am. We kind of look at each other, say, "Well, that's special. That's wonderful." And then we'd conveniently, you know, kind of put it out of our minds. But all these years later, I had the revelation. And all these things that he said came popping back into my mind. He wasn't crazy Uncle Mike. He's the Logos of God. Jesus is the wisdom of God, the Logos of the logic of God. He's the Word of God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the Word was God. See, that's in my gospel because I saw it in the revelation. He's the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That's in my gospel. See, because I saw it in the Revelation. All the crazy things Jesus said about judgment. Get this. Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, John 5. I judge no one. I have much to judge, John 8. Now is the judgment of the world. I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, John 12. He's like the judge that judges by not judging, which is the judgment. Sounds crazy. But you see, that's in my gospel. That's all in my gospel because I saw it in the revelation, I saw a slaughtered lamb standing on the throne of God, the judgment seat of God. Did you know that my gospel is the only gospel that records Jesus' first miracle? I think the other guys thought it was inappropriate and foolish. Not the kind that you want to be communicating to the church youth group, (laughs) was at a a wedding feast. He turned six stone jars of water into 180 gallons of premium top-shelf high-grade red wine. This is at a party where people are already a little bit sloshed, you know? A bit embarrassing to write in your new gospel, I guess, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but I saw it! I saw it in my revelation. It's the marriage supper of the lamb. He makes the wine at the end of the sixth day as he hangs on a tree that is also a throne that is a wine press that makes wine that is blood and blood that is wine. Wine that will make you forget yourself and act foolish. And he loves to make this wine. It makes him happy. He's like insanely happy to make this wine for you. Jesus is crazy. He's crazy in love with you and with me, his, his bride. Jesus took love so seriously, for he knew that love had taken him, him so seriously, that he didn't have to take himself seriously at all. He like constantly lost himself and found himself, made him loopy like all the time. Jesus, would you get serious? No, he's off playing with the kids. It's April Fool's Day. And it's Easter. And that, my friends, is entirely appropriate. You know, when Jesus died, he went to hell. He looked like death. I felt the earth shake. I saw the sun grow black and the moon rise, blood red that, that morning. And then, Easter morning, (laughs) April falls, death did not win. Mary thought he was the gardener. You know why she thought he was the gardener? Because he acted like the gardener. <laughs> and this is the crazy thing. He is the gardener. April two, April Fool's. That, then he says to Mary, Mary, you go tell the boys. April, April Fool's. That part about Mary, toucheth me not, I have not yet ascended to the Father. I think that was like a Jesus joke. April Fool's kind of like, I conquered death and hell and came out of the tomb. And now I am ready to ascend to my Father in heaven. But I can't. Cause woman, you're holding me down. Quit hanging on to me. I gotta said, April. It's a Jesus joke. <laughs> After Easter, it was like April Fool's Day every day for forty days. One day, me and the guys went fishing. Cause we was flipping hungry. And Jesus hadn't really told us what to do. We didn't know what to do. I don't know if you've discovered this about him But he's really not into detailed instructions (laughs) Now some of us We were professional professional fishermen So I mean we knew our trade we knew what we were, were doing we worked really hard at it all night We fished and we caught nothing in my day if you don't catch no fish you don't eat no fish so we were grumpy, tired, feeling sorry for ourselves, and flipping hungry. In the morning, some joker on the beach says, Hey, try the other side of the boat. <laughs> for some reason, we did. <laughs> and all of a sudden, Wham! The nets are so full of fish that I'm thinking, it's going to swamp the boat. I turned to Pete and I said, Pete, it's the Lord. And he got dressed, go figure, dove into the sea, swam to the shore. When we got to the shore, uh, Jesus already had fish. He didn't eat our fish. He's cooking the fish on the fire and, and laughing. He's already got fish and going... You guys want some fish? You want some fish? I got fish. You you want fish? He was laughing and laughing. He thought he was so funny. It, w- it was like he was saying, you worried about fish? Uh, I got fish. Here, have a fish. You want a fish? There's a fish. Have a fish. You you want some fish? There you go. Have a fish. You want more fish? He, he thought he was so, hey, you like fish, don't you? What's wrong? Yeah, you like sushi? I like that. I like that. Hey, here's one of my disciples. You can go around. You can pick up the fish and see see if it will multiply. All right? Uh, You want a fish? You got a fish. You got a fish. I'm like Oprah. You all got you all got fish. Jesus is passing out fish. He's throwing fish. He's laughing and laughing about the fish. You know, like deep. Oh, here's another fish. Let me see if I can get in the (laughs) Yeah! Three boys! Woo, Tim! (laughs) That's what it was like. It was a fish party. And and he's laughing, he's throwing fish, and saying, I got fish. Deep, deep belly laughs, you know, throwing. And the whole time, (laughs) I'm looking at his hands. The wounds, they're still there, fresh. And in his feet, fresh. You see, it's not like he denied the pain, but more like all the pain had been transformed into joy, like a a new mother that's just giving birth to a healthy baby. All that tribulation, and then she just laughs deep, deep belly laughs, and he told us it would be like that. He said the night before, the night, the night before he died, he said, um, you will be sorrowful, full of sorrow, like it has to happen. You will have sorrow, but your sorrow will be transformed into joy. It's like how God makes joy. And then he said, and no one will be able to take your joy away from you. And then he said, in this world, you will have tribulation. You will. John 16, verse 33. But be of good cheer. I have conquered the world. That's the gospel. That's Easter. And that is what the revelation means. Understand Easter... It it did not end that day. Easter is eternal. It's eternal. Easter is the victory of Jesus constantly invading this world of space and time. Eternity constantly kicking down the doors of temporality. Easter. About 40 years later, I'd been exiled to the Roman prison colony on, 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 on Patmos like I, was, like I was talking about. Exiled for preaching the gospel. And I had seen tribulation. You read my book and you worry about tribulation. I'd seen it. All the guys had been tortured. And then murdered. Nero had been burning believers as human candlesticks in the Roman Colosseum. The Jews, our brothers, had been betraying us to the Romans for position and for. for for power. I, I was worried about the seven, those little churches in Asia Minor. Jesus said you'll be fisher of men and I felt like an absolute uh, failure. So, so this day, 40 years later, I was praying on Patmos when I heard a voice, like a trumpet. I turned and I saw a man like made completely out of molten metal His hair was white as snow and his eyes were like a a flame of fire and he stood among seven huge burning torches and he held seven stars in his hand. Totally freaked me out. I like dropped to the ground, shaking in terror, thinking I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead. And then that burning man, he bent down and he whispered in my ear, Hey John, People Fools. Okay, maybe he didn't say that, but he could have said that. It was Jesus, and he was laughing. He gave me a vision. I call it the gospel according to Jesus, but at first it didn't sound like no gospel, because it was this call to conquer, to conquer. And, and I thought at the time, how are we going to conquer seven little churches and, and, and an old castaway on a, a desert island feeling like he's been cast away by, by God? How are we going to conquer? But then he said, hey, John, come up here. And all at once, I was like out just the opposite of being incarnated. I was like out he and he showed me everything from his perspective, which is Reality, that's his perspective, reality. He told me to write it down and send it to the seven churches and the world saying, blessed is he who reads and and hears. And I think this is the point. In this world, you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have conquered, I have overcome, I have conquered the world. In, In other words, stop taking yourself so seriously. And would you please start taking me seriously? You can only conquer by being conquered by me, the Word of God. And so I was outcarnated, like I was saying. I was outcarnated to this place where everything was good. And I heard every creature in heaven and earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is within them. Worshiping every creature revelation 5 every creature no creature weeping and gnashing their teeth in in outer darkness But every creature lost in wonder and and praise singing in perfect harmony like this great dance of love that is life eternal life I thought oh my god This can't be serious You can't be serious, and I heard in my heart, no, John, you can't be serious. You must stop taking your perception of reality so seriously. Didn't I tell you over and over again, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent does not mean try harder. Repent means change your thinking, think in a new way. It means like, wake up to reality. See, I wasn't looking at what had been, uh, what could be, what might be. I saw what always is, beyond, before, after, neath, above the Big Bang. Beyond, before, after, uh, neath, above all space and time. Or maybe I saw all space and time filled with the eternal glory that is our God. Whatever the case, you need to stop taking your perception of reality so seriously. Another way to say that is, you need to stop taking your judgment so seriously. And start taking God's judgment very seriously. I looked to the throne of God and I saw a lamb standing as if it had been slain. Jesus is the judgment of God. The judgment of God is to bleed for you. The judgment of God is love in flesh, broken for you. The judgment of God is a river of mercy that will never come to an end. To take the judgment of God seriously, is to forgive yourself and every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is within them I saw a scroll sealed with seven seals, like the seven days of creation. At the opening of the sixth seal, the kings of the earth and everyone, Revelation 6, you can read it, everyone runs and hides under the mountains and the rocks saying, cover us. They run and hide in terror from the judgment of God, which is, wait for it, a little slaughtered lamb. And he's not even chasing him. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. At the opening of the seventh seal, seven trumpets sound. After the seventh trumpet sounds, a baby is born, and a baby, the baby is, is that lamb. The ancient dragon, two terrible beasts, all the kings of the earth, and this freaky great giant harlot, they all go to war with the baby, the, the lamb baby and his friends, April fools, the lamb baby beast, the principalities and powers and the world rulers of this present darkness. That's hilarious. Jesus opens the scroll because he's the meaning of the scroll. And all the days of creation reveal the meaning of God which is the judgment of God, which is that lamb on the throne, Jesus. He opens the seals, open seals reveal the judgment. Trumpets proclaim the judgment. Bowls of wrath apply the judgment. Do you know what's in those bowls of wrath that bring the end of time as we know it? Lamb's blood. Blood that's wine, wine that's blood. Where would you ever find such a thing? The judgment of God is Jesus. The name Jesus literally means God is salvation. You see, God is salvation is judgment on the illusion that you are salvation. The illusion that you are salvation, the belief that you are salvation is called your ego. You see, there's no way that you will be able to stand in the presence of God and His judgment and be proud. In other words, there's no way that you can enjoy heaven unless you learn to laugh at yourself. Your ego is that thing that makes you want to defend yourself, create yourself, exalt yourself, compete with your neighbor and run from God. Your, Your ego Listen closely, your ego tries to create yourself in the image of God with your knowledge of good and evil. In my day, we called that justifying yourself according to the law, knowledge of good and evil, in the power of the flesh, your ego. It's your ego that boasts in all your accomplishments, all of your deeds. You know, for 1500 years, we Jews had built the city of Jerusalem. And we thought of it as our accomplishment. Never mind, we stole it from some Jebusites, killed a bunch of people, but we thought of it as our accomplishment. We'd fought and bled and died for Jerusalem, and yet, to be honest, Jerusalem was anything but a city of peace, it was more like the capital of beasts great harlot, to quote the prophets. She crucified Jesus on a tree just outside her city gates. And when she did, he cried, Father, forgive. And it is accomplished. You know, in my vision, when the seventh bowl of wrath is poured out on the earth, the voice from the throne, the throne that is a tree, cries, it is accomplished. It is done. Then in my vision, in my vision, I saw the great city crumble to the ground and turn to dust. And I watched the new Jerusalem descend from heaven to earth from God. April Fool's. Are you laughing, (laughs) or are you weeping? Because you see, my friends, that is quite a blow to the human ego. Just think of it. I watched absolutely everything for which the people of God had worked. Absolutely everything for which the people of God could feel proud. I watched it turn to dust. And then God said, here it is, only better, eternal and free. I mean it was just like that day on the Sea of Galilee. All night we professional fishermen accomplish nothing, no thing, and in the morning we see that Jesus accomplishes all things, everything. That breakfast party on the side of the sea laughing with Jesus is honestly the happiest I'd ever been in this fallen world of space and time. Happiest I'd ever been. And yet, if it weren't for the fact that we had been humbled by the death and the resurrection of Jesus, there's no way that we would have thrown the net on the other side of the boat. And there's no way that we would have enjoyed that breakfast party on the side of the sea. Because there's no way that we would not have been utterly offended. I mean, we would have resented the fact that a carpenter caught all the fish. We would have resented the fact that Jesus let us go hungry all night long, suffering. Do you ever resent the fact that he let you suffer? We would have resented the fact that Jesus got himself crucified. And we would have been ashamed of the fact that we all abandoned him when he did. We would have been offended at Jesus. We would have been stuck on ourselves and offended at Jesus. But that day, we had lost ourselves and found ourselves laughing. Jesus said unless you lose yourself, for my sake, the kingdom, for the gospel and the kingdom, if you lose yourself, you'll find yourself. He said if you exalt yourself, you'll be humbled, and if you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. The first will be last, and the last will be first. If you're proud, well, that is not in the least bit funny. The first will be last, and the last will be first. But if you've surrendered your ego, well, that's hilarious. It's hilarious. If everybody's surrendered their ego, it's a party, a party that won't end. You first. No, you first. No, I exalt you. No, I exalt you. No, you first. No, you first. No, you first. It's it's like a great dance of love that is life itself, eternal, eternal life. Jesus said, blessed is he, happy is he that is not offended at me. My boatload of free fish and my endless party. Repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So I saw the old Jerusalem destroyed. I saw the new Jerusalem coming coming down now. It's at hand. And listen closely. The gates of the city are always open. Always open. Revelation 21. And yet, chapter 22... Outside is everyone who loves and practices falsehood. That is everyone who believes that they make themselves in the image of God with their knowledge of good and evil. That is their own judgment. Outside is everyone with a big old fat arrogant ego. Mob bosses. Church ladies, Pharisees, pastors. I'm talking older brothers that are kind of ticked off that the father would throw such an incredible, lavish party for their prodigal siblings. They're outside. And the gates are open. But they won't go in because they refuse to laugh at themselves. And they insist on paying for that which can never be bought. New Jerusalem the voice from the throne says look look I not you I make all things new oh all things and and so he will make you new but you cannot meet your new self until you've learned to laugh at your old self Psalm 2, the Lord laughs at your, your vanity, your, your ego, and, and, yet, and yet he always, he suffers your ego. See, I never felt as if he were laughing at me. He was always laughing with me, in me, at me. For he chose to bear the burden that is me. And that is your heaviest burden, isn't it? I mean, not me, but you bearing that and that is you he came to help you he came to help me laugh at myself and so become my true self in fact he might be doing that for you right here right now with his word it's a sword Revelation 19 it frees you from yourself so you can laugh at yourself over and over and over again God says your descendants uh, through Isaac shall your descendants be named. Those descendants are Israel. And that descendant is Jesus, the seed. The new Jerusalem is made of living stones that are the Israel of God. And the new Jerusalem is the body of Jesus. It's his temple, his body, his bride. The new Jerusalem is who you truly are. And through Isaac shall you all be named. Through Isaac. So you say it in Hebrew. Do you know what Isaac means? Sahak, Sahak means laughter. Isaac means he laughs. God told Abraham, in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And for 25 years, Abraham tried to make it happen. Like we tried to make the fish happen on the Sea of Galilee. Like we all tried to build our Jerusalem, our city of peace. Uh, When Abraham, when Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90 and it had not happened. God said to Abraham, it's going to happen. And Abraham laughed. Sarah overheard God and Abraham, and she laughed. And God said to Abraham, uh, he said to Sarah, he said, Sarah, why did you laugh? Do you think that anything is too hard for the Lord? Why did you laugh? And Sarah said, I didn't laugh. (laughs) And God said, no, you did laugh. And God got the last laugh. When the promised child was born, they named him Isaac, Isaac, he laughs and the Sarah said God has made laughter for me do you know that right now God is making laughter for you, you see it is the new you it's the promised one in you it's a very painful process it's like giving birth but through laughter will you be named In fact, laughing at your old you is part of giving birth to the new you so that you won't be stuck on you, proud of you, worried about you. Instead, you'll be forever grateful to God for the amazing gift that is the eternal new you, eternal and free. The old you that you think you made is the very place that reveals the new you which God has made, where sin increased, grace abounded, all the more the old me the old me, wanted to call down fire on all of samaria and jesus did name me son of thunder but then he revealed the nature of true thunder god is love god is a consuming fire love is is fire and the voice of god psalm 19 18 his word is thunder i am a son of that thunder and they actually did call down fire on the Samaritans, Acts chapter 8. Pete and me baptize the Samaritans with the Holy Spirit. Holy fire, holy fire. And we all started. I remember Pete, me and the Samaritans. We're all just laughing at our, laughing at our vanity together. And we were like born again. Isaiah prophesied. The earth shall give birth to the dead. Revelation 1.5, Jesus is firstborn from the dead. Revelation 20.12, the dead are judged according to their deeds, that's their accomplishments, which are the result of their judgments, which created the illusion that they thought was themselves, that's called your ego. Revelation 20:14. Death is thrown into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Revelation 21:4, and death will be no more. The second death is the death of death. What could be the death of death except for life that will not die? Jesus is the life that can no longer die, and he gave his life. For all, Revelation one five, the voice from the throne who is the judgment of God, who is the commandment of God and the life of God says, Look! I make all things new. John 12.50. Other guys forgot this one, or maybe they just put it out of their minds. I don't know. It's not crazy, Uncle Mike. This is the Word of God who is the commandment of God. Jesus says, The Father's commandment. Do you know this one? John 12, 50. The Father's commandment is eternal life. You can't fulfill that commandment. Only Jesus can fulfill that commandment because Jesus is that commandment. So John 3, 7. You must be, must be, must be born from above. So what does the revelation mean? It means you're going to die. But come on, man. You already knew that. It means you're going to die because you've got to live. It means you going to live! You have to live, you have to live, you have to live. You're going to live, you have to live, you have to live, you have to live. And what is it to live? It is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength because you want to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength. It's to love your neighbor as yourself because you want to love your neighbor as yourself. It's to want to join the party because you want to be in the party. You love the party. It's a new desire in, in, in your heart. To, to quote me. this is the victory that conquers the world Of faith. You see you will live and you can begin to live now by faith. Faith is laughing at yourself with God. Faith is not taking yourself so seriously, for you see that God has taken you seriously. Faith has not taken your perception of reality seriously. Faith has not taken your judgments seriously. Faith has not taken your accomplishments seriously. Faith has not taken yourself seriously, for you see that Jesus has taken you seriously. Jesus is the judgment of God, and faith is the judgment of God at home, in you, on the throne, in the throne room of your heart. If you take yourself seriously, you will not take the judgment of God seriously. So you will not do what he says. And then when you don't do what he says, you will not believe that you're forgiven, and you won't forgive. If you take yourself seriously, you won't take God seriously and His judgment seriously. You won't believe that you're forgiven and you won't forgive. You'll resent your neighbor. You'll begin to compete with your neighbor and then you'll start to hate your neighbor. You'll resent the mercy of God and refuse to join the party, weeping and gnashing your teeth in the outer darkness. But if you take the judgment of God seriously, you won't take yourself seriously. If God says you're forgiven, you'll believe you're forgiven, because who are you to argue with the judgment of God? You believe you're forgiven and you'll forgive. You'll know the good and you'll know that the good is God and God is grace. You won't compete with your neighbor, but you'll long to bless your neighbor. Why? Because their joy is your joy and your joy is their joy. You'll be impossible to offend and you will have no problem laughing at yourself. You'll fall in love because you'll see that love has fallen for you. Literally suffered, died, descended into hell and risen from the dead for you. You, You'll join the party that is the new Jerusalem coming down. Why do fools fall in love? Because they don't take themselves seriously. And they, they, they see that love has taken them, swept them away seriously. And this is love. On the night, he was betrayed by us, Jerusalem. Love took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you, take and and eat. And in the same manner, after supper, having given thanks, he took the cup and he said, this is the blood This is my blood of the covenant. Drink of it, all of you. It's for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do it in remembrance of me. This is the judgment of God. Seriously. To come to this table is to not take yourself seriously. It is to confess your sin, receive God's grace, and join the party. So we invite you to come to the table, tear off a piece of bread, dip it in the cup, ingest the judgment of God, and then allow someone to put a party hat on you. Now if you're thinking, hey, wait a minute, I'm a little worried I'll look foolish. (laughs) (laughs) Repent! The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Psalm 103. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. So wear the hat. Wear it until the last song, and we will all together cast our crowns before him. Pray with me. Say these words in your heart after me. Lord, I confess that I have taken my judgments more seriously than, than your judgment. That's why I sin. And that's why I refuse to forgive myself what I do, which is just more sin. I surrender my judgment to your judgment. Now just listen, listen to the judgment of God. In the name of Jesus and under the authority of his blood, your sins are forgiven you. Amen. In Revelation, in Revelation 5, John sees the throne room, the eternal throne room, and there are 24 elders around the throne, which are, the I think, the 12 uh, tribes of Israel, the leaders of the 12 tribes, and the 12 disciples symbolizing all the people of God. The singing never stops, And those 24 elders constantly cast their crowns before Jesus, which means that Jesus must be constantly putting them back on the 24 elders, which means it's some kind of like great sort of dance or something. So uh, to close our service, we'll sing crown him with many crowns. And so I invite you to take your crown. He crowns you with um, uh, steadfast love and mercy. And you can throw it at his feet. But where is he? I mean, where, where is he? Where is he? You could throw it before this table. But look, all the bread and wine is gone. Where is it? It's in you. So you see, when you love another person, when you humble, another, humble yourself, don't humble. Well, sometimes we do that. Try to humble yourself and exalt the other person. You're casting your crown before him. And that's the beginning of the great dance that starts here and is your eternal destination. So as we worship, I invite you to take off your hat and you can put it on someone else. You can throw it at their feet. You can do whatever you want with it. um, Or you can put it right back on your head because Jesus keeps crowning you. But let's let's crown him as we sing. Let's sing this to our Lord with all our hearts. All right. Let's worship. Thanks for, thanks for coming this morning, for joining us. If you'd like prayer, members of our prayer team are down front. They would love to pray with you. But by way of benediction, may you believe the gospel, which means stop taking yourself so seriously. And take Jesus seriously. The judgment of God for you. In his name, happy Easter. Amen. Amen.